0: Hello folks, now that the Negative Positives Podcast has completely sold out and is accepting your hard-earned money in the form of coffee donations or Kofi donations or basically K-O-F-I slash Negative Positives, we'd like to take this opportunity to sell our soul to corporate America and have a message from our sponsor this is the, the Cajun camera shop yeah well, we we have all the of you know, the film cameras you could ever want here well, I got a a whole big old stock there them there them there them, them point-and shoot cameras and I, I got a big old selection of, uh, of disposable cameras there with a half shot roll of film and you can just finish up and and develop that yourself there mm-hmm. and then of course uh, we are Service we provide here on the, the Cajun camera shop. Oh, we you want one of them gator skins on your camera on your K1000? We can put one of them gator skins there, right there, there right there on your K1000. And that's a, another service we provide. And of course, every every single day here at the shop, we got We got one of them there, there, one of them there, there, there food trucks. That yeah, serves so one of the, the hardest jambalayas you ever did eat. Woo, wee, you guys go, yo, 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 yo. Yo, 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 the white bus going to be on fire when you you, you sit there now. you buy a camera from me here at the Cajun Camera Shop. to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 309. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. It's starting to warm up here a tad, getting a little more spring-like. Still a little chilly at nighttime, but the days are getting a little bit more tolerable, so I'm super happy about that. Uh, Let's see, well, this is episode 309, so that means next episode will be 310. And I know we had mentioned uh, roundtable episodes We were going to start doing those on every 10th episode. 310, 320, 330, 340, all that stuff. Every 10th episode was going to be a roundtable discussion where we get some some people that have been on the show before, talk about some hot topics, and uh, bring out the... uh, the gray lab timer and, uh, and, and time ourselves on each topic and, and try to, and try to like set it up where Andre gets buzzed by the gray lab timer buzzer every, every time. <laughs> but, um, uh, so yeah, that's supposed to happen next episode, but I kind of got ahead of myself on scheduling uh, guests for the show and wasn't paying attention to the numbers, or just as paying attention to the dates. And so next Monday we're going to have on Timothy Ditzler from analog talk podcast and so we're just gonna we're gonna push the uh, roundtable uh, episode back to uh, to episode 312 uh, there's no rules here right and because uh, I don't want to Try to reschedule Timothy, and we already got that set up, and I'm looking forward to that. So we'll have uh, Timothy for 3:10, and then on 3:12 we'll do our uh, we'll bring back the roundtable discussions that I think a lot of people enjoyed. At least I hope they did. It's it's a lot of fun to do, uh, and then then we'll get on schedule. We're like 3:20, 3:30, 3:40. will be roundtable episodes, and that's a chance to have people back on the show that have been on the show as a guest uh, to you know discuss some hot topics. So that's kind of the plan going forward with that. Uh, so, all right, just wanted to get that out there. So if anybody's wondering, whoa, well, uh, wait a minute, why is 310 not a round table? Well, a little, I, I got a, I goofed on my scheduling, but uh, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, so next up is Easter Sunday. It was April 12th. Uh, and it was my birthday, and I gotta say, uh, it's hard to compete with Jesus. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I didn't do much. We just kind of had a, a nice Easter dinner and um, kind of sit around and watched a lot of Netflix, and didn't really do a whole lot. And uh, but then we you know, had some adult beverages in the evening. So it, it, all in all, a good birthday. But it was made a whole lot better. It's kind of it's really hard to have a birthday during this coronavirus uh, thing, right? There's no, there's not. It's, it, celebrating is a little more difficult. You can't go anywhere, right? And uh, but. A lot of people uh, through the community um, uh, on Facebook or through direct messages or whatever sent me some really nice um, uh, birthday wishes and I just want to thank you all for that. It kind of made what was kind of a, a very strange birthday, a very <laughs> kind of laid back birthday uh, made it uh, uh, a little more special and I, I really appreciate that even like uh, Leo Nikihan on the <laughs> uh, from the ten rolls of film podcast, he actually um, got on a little piano, uh, and played happy birthday and, and posted it as a face cast to the negative possess uh, Facebook group. So thank you, Leo, so much for that. Uh, but yeah, it just, uh, really helped make my day. Uh, the interesting thing is, uh, Lamography has declared, uh, April 12th every year as film photography day. And, uh, I, I quite enjoy the fact that, uh, L- national... <laughs> holiday or worldwide holiday of film photography day always lands on april 12th my birthday and did i shoot any film photography that day no no i didn't but but hey it's it's kind of cool to share my birthday with uh what's considered film photography day so very very cool and uh okay next up is uh, I got a a really cool uh, thing in the mail from uh, Tony Skokovic. And uh, (laughs) Tony has been so gracious and has sent me so much cool stuff. I I was actually surprised to get something else in the mail from him. He's just been, Tony, you've been so generous to me, man. And uh, I actually uh, have mentioned several times on the podcast that we have Tony's uh, calendar he sent uh, several months back uh, uh, on our wall, Uh, his 2020 uh, calendar is on our kitchen wall. Uh, So we get to live with Tony's uh, photography all year through his calendar, and uh, we've quite enjoyed that. Uh, But he sends this this really, really cool print. But let me read his letter uh, first. He says, Dear Mike, in these days of isolation heading into the week number three, we are all looking for projects to do. The other night I was browsing through my Lightroom catalogs and came upon an image from 2017. Then I thought how the story behind the entire row actually connects uh, a few things in an interesting way. Thus, a quick darkroom project for this gloomy Sunday was born. But first, the story. In August of 2017, I found myself driving from a meeting in Greensboro, North Carolina to Raleigh Airport. Driving down I-40 towards Raleigh, I remembered that Southeast Camera had a store in Carboro, which was on my way, so I decided to make a quick stop. As I pulled into Chapel Hill to check Google Maps for the store location and grab a quick coffee, an ideal emerged. What if I give myself a budget of $100 to get a film camera, lens, and a few rows of film and shoot it in a quick photo walk just before the flight? About a half an hour later, I pulled up in the parking lot just behind the Southeast Camera in Carborough. A store uh, is a familiar hangout for our co-captain, Andre, and started digging through the boxes of used film gear they had sitting on the floor out of a box a spotmatic sp with a 28 millimeter Komar lens was looking back and for 55 dollars it was settled the day was sunny and bright so i bought two rows of ilford fp4 plus to shoot after lunch in downtown raleigh i wrote of this adventure and shared some of the images from one of these rows on 35mmc uh so yeah you can look up uh 35mmc.com uh five frames and it's half uh, frames number 76. Looks like Pentax, Pentax Pentax Spotmatic Cominar, 28 millimeter from Tony Skokovic. So he has a, a nice little uh, article on 35mmc.com about this adventure. Anyway, he goes on. Uh, that afternoon was steamy, almost Florida-like, but made a great introduction to M42 mount cameras and Spotmatic in particular. The other night, the last image from that road drew my attention and sparked the inspiration. At the end of the walk, ready to pack it in and head to the airport, I was left with one frame to shoot, frame number 35. I usually expose 35 frames as it fits neatly in my five x seven print file sleeves. Uh, so looking for something, I noticed how lines of my rental Ford Edge grille made an interesting composition with the Ford badge and the texture on the, of the roadway. So I took that frame, rewound the row, packed the camera and headed to the airport. This last image was sitting there through scanning and editing, r- uh, writing for Hamish's article, and sitting idly on my disk in that in the and in 2017 binders until the other night. It occurred to me that this image just yells the negative positives, and more specifically ties Gutterman and Dominguez <laughs> in a symbolic way. So here it is, enclosed 8 x 10 enlargement of that last frame, printed on Ilford MG RC 4 paper. I could not think of a better print for the Gutterman cave, a photo of <laughs> a photo of a Ford Motor Company badge on a Ford Edge grill, taken with a Pentax Spotmatic kit and film purchased at the store that fueled Andre's passion for film photography. I hope you enjoy it and can find a good place for it. Hope you and your family are managing to stay safe, healthy and sane through these challenging days as we all know things will only improve. And we as humans are best at adopting and surviving. In the meantime, let's keep shooting more cool film photos. Stay well. Best, Tony Skokovic. P.S. Decided to give you a break from my terrible handwriting. <laughs> so here is the faux typewriter looking letter produced entirely on my computer and printed using a laser printer. Well, thank you so much, Tony Scogavica. What a cool story, man. And like, it does have a, a way of tying uh, Mr. Andre Dominguez and myself together uh, as being, being that you bought this stuff from a store that he used to hang out at all the time. And of course it's a, it's a, now this photo, he sent it in like a plastic sleeve and it's actually matted. It's ready to be framed, a matted uh, 8x10 print. and of course of the Ford emblem uh, off of a Ford Edge grill (laughs) and uh, apparently that was his rental car for that that particular trip and uh, we actually rented a uh, Ford Edge several years ago we went to Florida and those are fantastic vehicles and Tony, uh, you'll be happy to know that Ford Edge is actually, uh, Tony is from Canada, so you'll be happy to know the Ford Edge is actually assembled up there in Canada, so that you were driving a, a Canadian Canadian assembled Ford, so uh, uh, I love the Ford Edge, and uh, so it's, this, this print is awesome, and uh, thank you so much for it. And. my wife would love for us to get a ford edge uh we're currently trying to save our money and pay off some bills so we can get ourselves into a new car because our car is a 2000 ford focus it's 20 years old and i i think it's probably probably to the uh to the end of its life i can't complain 20 years out of a car pretty pretty good right that's ford you know quality's job one but uh uh but it looks like uh ford edge might be a little out of our price range we're probably going to end up with a ford escape which is like the smaller version of an edge and and the ford escape is actually assembled here in, in louisville kentucky and the other ford plant that we have two ford plants in louisville kentucky the one i work at and then another plant a smaller plant that builds the, the ford escape so uh kind of cool to build you know buy a car possibly that's made in my hometown so because i certainly can't afford the the cars the trucks that we make in my plant here in my hometown because they're like they're like 50 to seventy thousand dollar pickup trucks so <laughs> but uh thank you so much tony skokovic for uh, just yet another uh, huge act of generosity uh, uh, that you've uh, sent me, like just so much cool stuff and I really appreciate it. Uh, Tony is on um, Junction Rails on Instagram and he also has a webpage that is, I believe it's junctionrails.ca is his webpage. Uh, So check out Tony's work and uh, uh, very, very cool. Okay, uh, next up is, um, okay, so we had a discussion on the last show Uh, with uh, Roxana, Andre, and I, you know, no guests, just just us three. We had a little discussion about Instagram. And I was a little worried that, uh, you know, I kind of came off like an asshole because I was sort of, towards the end of that discussion, was kind of bitching about people flooding my Instagram feed with like their entire row of film all in one day. (laughs) that they shot, which, uh, yeah, I I didn't really, I didn't really get a whole lot of response about it. And I was like, man, did I come off the wrong way? Is anybody else feeling what I'm feeling? Or, you know, and if you don't feel what I feel, by all means, call me out on it and tell me to, you know, to, to stuff it, Mike. But, but anyway, uh, I did get an email. That actually sort of takes my side, so it made me feel a little better. But this person wanted to remain anonymous, and so and I'm not going to read their whole email. I'm just going to read a a little excerpt from it from an anonymous uh, uh, emailer, Uh, (laughs) and basically, uh, (laughs) he says. Or maybe she. Who knows? I'm not going to tell you. Uh, Also, please do not read this on the air. I just wanted to commiserate you with about people that post a whole row at a time. It's so irritating. I mean, following someone is a kind of obligation to look at what they show you. The thing is, I don't want to scroll through a whole row of someone's pictures. They aren't all good. They can't be. And then when they post a whole row of F-ups, oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) and he says i consider or she maybe (laughs) i consider unfollowing people who do that uh, but then i feel like like i'm a dick like i'm being mean or something these kind of situations are where i really struggle with social media i really try to follow people who i want to be social with and i try to limit following accounts that have thousands of followers where you know you'll never have interaction anyway what the heck so <laughs> I just, uh, uh, someone actually, you know, did kind of respond, I guess, to give me a little feedback on our little Instagram discussion. So I wanted to get that out there. And and again, I, I would love to hear what, what other people think about uh, Instagram and how you use it. And should you load a ton of images all in one day and flood people's feeds? Or uh, is that cool or not cool? Uh, but uh, another thing that happened out of that discussion is that we had a little talk about how uh I, I, I Roxana and I both kind of agreed we want to follow people that listen to uh, the podcast and I'm sure there's people out there that are uh, that are following me that I haven't followed back because I'm kind of horrible by keeping up with that stuff and I don't want to just follow back anybody uh so i, I we we had kind of said if you listen to this podcast and i'm not following you or is not following you hit us up through like a direct message say hey you know hey i listened to the podcast and i will gladly uh follow you back and uh that's actually happened i've had uh i don't know four five six people hit me up over the last week or so saying hey mike i listened to the show and uh you know cheers or whatever and and I've, I've made sure to respond to them and, and follow them back because i want to see what the listeners of the show are out there shooting and, and and that's what i'm more more interested that's that's the photography i'm interested interested in seeing on instagram so uh, again if uh if you uh, are out there and you want me to uh see your photography uh you're listening to this show definitely hit me up a message on uh, instagram through direct messaging and 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 tell me you're a listener and i'll gladly give you a follow so um uh, okay next up uh what do we have here um yeah. Um, okay. So Angelo DiCarmo, uh, he is doing the uh, expired film photography group uh, contest, and we—he's uh, extended it. Uh, it was supposed to end like last Friday, but it's been extended till this Friday, April twenty-fourth. And so you can submit three three film images to this contest. Uh, and so uh, it's it's kind of a contest based uh, from the expired film photography group on Facebook. Um, and they are also a very active group uh, around, I think they have over 4,000 members, much like the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. So a very active group and a, another positive uh, community you can, uh, you can join. Uh, the cool thing about this challenge, even though it's kind of based around the expired film photography group on uh, Facebook group, uh, is you can shoot fresh film or expired film in this challenge. Uh, the winner will receive uh, 10 rows of expired film from Nuno Cruz who is not going to be one of the judges uh, and the cool thing about this film package he, I saw a picture of the film he's given away is there's a lot of like 3M scotch film in there and which brings me back to the 90s I used to shoot a ton of that stuff and I like to get my hands on some of that stuff myself just to kind of go back to my 90s way back machine and because uh, you know I'm, I love the 90s so <laughs> but uh, that was cool to see like some old 3M scotch branded film in there which was you know kind of what Ferrania was uh, uh, back in the day so because uh, 3M apparently owned Ferrania back in that in those days, uh, but anyway, uh, there's going to be four judges for this contest, and I'm I'm honored to be one of the judges. So I get to be one of the judges of this expired film photography Facebook group uh, challenge, and uh, the other uh, judges are uh, Angelo Di Carmo, of course, who he's actually on our Facebook group as Angelo A N G E L O, and uh, Nuno Cruz is the other one who's also given away the film package. And then uh, the, the old camera guy, David Mahali, is the, uh, is the fourth judge. So we'll be judging those photos. So uh, again, three uh, film photography uh, photos you can submit to this. And the deadline has been extended to April 24th. Uh, if you want more information on that, <clears throat> there's some good sources out there now for it. First of all, in episode 307, I had a call in from Angelo, uh, kind of where he kind of explained it. But if you don't want to go back and listen and try to find that, uh, that call in, uh, you can go to the Facebook group and, uh, or go to the expired, uh, film photography Facebook group. And, uh, there is a post there and like their announcements about how to, uh, all the rules and everything. Also, uh, David Mahali through his YouTube channel, the old camera guy, uh, put up a video that explains everything in great detail and really lays out how, how to, to join this thing and get involved and sub- submit your three images uh, again by April 24th, Friday, April 24th. Um, and uh, David also uh, posted uh, the, a link to that that video on the Negative Positive Film Photography Podcast Facebook group as well. So several ways you can get um, uh, some information and all the rules on how to enter this thing. So yeah, just get three film images together and s- submit them, and then uh, so we can judge them. I want to get all judgy and judgmental on your photography. <laughs> so I'm just quite honored to be selected to have a chance to judge this thing. So uh, very cool. Okay, and speaking of contest there's another one out there and uh i uh i I hit up matt murray from matt loves cameras podcast uh because he has a challenge going and now i have a camera that qualifies for it uh the uh ansco pix panorama (laughs) camera that i recently got that i've talked about on this podcast but matt has a a plastic pano camera challenge and um he, I, I, so I, re- I reached out to Matt. I was like, hey, Matt, why don't you send me a call in uh, about this challenge, kind of telling everything you want people to know about it, and maybe we can get more people involved with it and all that good stuff. So uh, Matt graciously sent me a little call in about the, the, everything you need to know about the Matt Loves Cameras Plastic Pano Camera Challenge. So uh, let's take a listen to what Matt has to say about
1: that.
2: You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras.
1: Hello, listeners of the Negative Positives Podcast. It's Matt Murray here from the Matt Loves Cameras Podcast, speaking to you from sunny Brisbane in Australia. Today, I want to tell you about a little camera challenge I have running via my podcast. It's called the Matt Loves Panos Plastic Pano Camera Challenge. And the idea is this. You take one of those beautiful, light, plastic, focus-free, panorama cameras that you have hanging around your camera box or your shelf or somewhere like that. You get out there and you shoot some beautiful panos using this camera. Here are the rules of the contest. Number one, the camera must be made of plastic. Number two, the camera must be fixed focus. Number three, the camera must weigh less than 150 grams or five ounces. Number four, the camera needs to be able to take images natively in panoramic format. This means that you can use a camera that switches back and forth between full frame and pano, but you must shoot in the pano setting. Okay, so you can't just use a plastic camera and shoot full frame and crop them later on. You have to shoot natively in that panoramic format. Number five, if your camera needs any kind of battery to operate, it's probably not eligible to take part. So here's a list of cameras that are allowed and aren't allowed. So the cameras that are allowed to take part, Ansco Pix, Hanamex Panorama, YPIC Panorama, Helena Panorama, Ultronic Panorama, the Panorama Optical Lens 25mm camera, and any Vivitar Panorama cameras, such as the IC101 and the PN2011. Now that's not an exhaustive list. There are probably way more plastic pano cameras out there that adhere to all of the rules that you can use, but they're some of the common models that people have been shooting with. So the cameras that aren't allowed, you cannot shoot with any of these cameras. No X-Pans, no widerlux no Linhoffs, no Fuji, no Horseman, no Horizon T cameras. No Minolta Reavers or Minolta Ps. they actually focus those cameras, so they're way too good. No fancy Olympus Stylus cameras, no Pentax Zoom cameras your camera has to abide by the rules. It's gotta be plastic, it's gotta be light, it's gotta be focus free, it's gotta natively shoot in pano mode. Now, one question people have been asking, what about the Sprocket Rocket? Well, I'm sorry, my friends, the Sprocket Rocket zone focuses, so it is nowhere near crappy enough for this challenge. So if you're interested, dust off those pano cameras off your shelf and get out there and shoot some panos. Now, the good news is that if you don't have one of these cameras already, they're really, really cheap. Uh, Quite often people in America I've I've seen through the Negpos Facebook group, they've been picking these up for four or five dollars. Here in Australia, they're a little bit more expensive than that, but you should be able to pick them up really cheap if you want to take part. So the competition opened on the 1st of March, 2020, and it's gonna close around the end of June, 2020. I've kept the end date a little bit uh, flexible just because of the COVID-19 health pandemic. I wanna give people a chance to get out there and shoot these plastic lovely little cameras. So I think it'll be around the end of June, 2020. And from the time I'm recording this, that'll give you just over two months to get out there and take part if you haven't already. Now, because the competition opened on the 1st of March 2020, it means that you can't go back to your archives from five years ago and just send any old photos in. They've gotta be taken inside that competition window. So when the competition closes off, they will be judged by two of our expert judges. Uh, One of the expert judges is me, uh, and the other person is Matthew Joseph, ex-pan man, Mr. Matthew Joseph. So we're going to judge these images and we'll crown a winner. The prizes, well, the prizes really aren't worth talking about too much. Uh, Matthew has kindly donated the only official Sunny 16 podcast mug in existence, and I'm donating some film that fell down the back of my fridge. So don't enter for the prizes, Enter for the glory of winning the Plastic Pano Challenge. Now, Matthew and I are also taking Pano Images, but we're not entering the main competition. We're going to do a little portfolio of our Plastic Pano Focus Free Images, and our images are going to be judged by a jury of seven Film Photography Podcasters. So I'm hoping that uh, someone from NegPoz will help out with this. Maybe Mr. Mike Gutterman himself. But if not, we would be more than happy to have our images judged by Andre or Roxana. So yeah, there we go. So we're also having a little uh, face-off there with our wonderful pano images when the competition closes. Now, if we get a lot of really good, amazing entries in, and the way it's shaping up, I think we definitely will... I plan on doing a zine with all of these wonderful images. So yeah, that's the, that's another added incentive. You know, you could have your beautiful plastic pano uh, masterpiece featured in a zine coming up in the coming months. So please, please enter. Now, if you'd like to check any of the details that I've been talking about, just head over to mattlovescameras.com and you'll see there are two pages about this challenge. So the first one is a list of all the details and submission guidelines for the challenge. It tells you how big your images should be, where to send them to, all of that kind of stuff. The other page is of the entry so far. And so far we've had some absolutely wonderful black and white and color images from Dominic in New York, from Michael in Florida, from Tommy in Southeast Queensland, from Matt in Wellington New Zealand from Joe in Norwich in England and from Junior Wyatt in Illinois so please keep those images rolling in I think there's some absolute crackers there so far and I'm really looking forward to the judging and hopefully putting together a zine of these plastic focus-free pano beauties So that's it from me about the plastic pano challenge. I hope you guys will join in. Just one more reminder, if you have never listened to Matt Loves Cameras, I would love to have you as a listener. This year so far, I've done episodes about the big mini, about the X-Pan, about film photography projects you can do at home, and the Canon underwater camera, the Shoreshot A1 or the Prima AS1 as it's known in Europe. Finally, thanks to Mr. Michael Gutterman for letting me do this little plug on the Pano Challenge on the NegPoz podcast. Thanks so much to Mike, Roxana, and Andre for all the fantastic work they do in promoting film photography. There's such a great community around the podcast and the Facebook group. It really is wonderful. And I certainly hope that I will see some of the pictures taken by Mike with his Ansco pics very, very soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.
0: Well, thank you so much, Matt Murray from the Matt Loves Cameras podcast. Uh, giving us all the all the deets, the details on the uh, plastic pano camera challenge. And if you're not checking out Matt Murray's uh, podcast, Matt Loves Cameras, you absolutely should. Matt is one of the the nice guys, the good guys in the film photography community. I know most of us are, uh, most everybody in the film community is pretty pretty much good guys. But he's he's doing an excellent job with that podcast. So if you've not checked it out yet, definitely do that. Um, and also, thank you so much for the the kind words, uh, Matt. Uh, that was very uh, very nice of you to at the end of, uh, end of that little uh, talk, uh, giving us a, a little uh, a little love there, and I, we definitely appreciate that. Um, also, let's see here. Um, yes, yeah, so, so this, this this competition is going to run to the end of June twenty twenty. So you got plenty of time to do this and. Uh, also, he Matt mentioned uh, possibly having uh, podcasters judge his photos in this challenge, along with uh, his uh, co-conspirator uh, Matthew Joseph on this uh, on this uh, this challenge. So and he mentioned maybe somebody from the negative positives being a judge. And I'm sure either Andre, Roxana, or myself would love to uh, help you uh, help judge your photos, Matt, you uh, for who wins between you and and Matthew Joseph. Uh, I'm sure we'd be we'd love to take part of that uh, either individually or maybe we could all collectively as one negative positives vote, maybe, maybe put in our vote, but we'd be happy to, to help judge that. Be honored, honestly. So, <laughs> and speaking of a contest that ends at the end of June, 2020, there's another one out there, right? It's the, uh, the negative positives podcast eighties filter challenge, which we talked about and now it's kind of in full detail on the last episode episode 308. And so, uh, what we're looking for is cheesy over the top, uh, eighties filters, Uh, Star filters, soft surround filters, uh, prism filters, even the uh, the the ultimate, which Roxana actually owns, is the rainbow filter from Koken that inserts a fake rainbow (laughs) in your photographs or even the cheesy 80s portraits, glamour shots, anything that screams 1980s. stereotypical photography thats kind of what we're looking for on this on this up on this uh, contest this community contest and we seem to be getting uh, some pretty uh, <laughs> uh, some people seem to be kind of excited about it which really makes me happy because I cannot wait to see uh, the these humorous photos that get posted <laughs> in this challenge uh, Roxana angles has been really active on the Facebook group recently because she hasn't a, a Kodak book about 80s filters and it even has a section on how to make your own filters. So she's been experimenting with that. So check out the Facebook group and look at her, her facecast of some of the, some of the interesting ways of uh, cheesing up your 80s style photos with homemade filters or, or just even ones that were out there at that time uh so yeah i think it's gonna be very fun uh again that will run to the end of june as well so and that's gonna be an instagram you know challenge where basically you take your two favorite that you shot out of this, this challenge your two favorite 80s uh cheesy filter photos and submit them to instagram and use the hashtag npp80s filter challenge and that is NPP 80S filter challenge and uh, as the hashtag on your two favorite shots that you do in this project and we will uh, probably uh, probably going to get a guest judge i think to, to judge these uh these uh these photos for this challenge and and we'll we'll come up with some sort of prize package i'm sure it'll be film or something like that but uh so uh that that is live now and that runs through the end of June as well as long along with uh, matt murray's plastic pano camera challenge so you got a couple of uh, challenges out there Uh, to possibly win some some free swag, and uh, both of them giving you plenty of time to to do that. And I know it's a little difficult during these times to kind of do a lot of photography, but, man, 80s filter uh, challenge photos, you can do those uh, pretty much anywhere in your house uh, if you want to take some 80s cheesy (laughs) Cheesy portraits. That's pretty easy to do in this time. So, and I think uh, the I, I again, I, I'm really excited about just seeing the the humor and, and some funny photos being posted that we wouldn't normally do or be proud of. Uh, Cause I think we, we all use a little, little humor during these times, right? So, okay. Next up, uh, I had put up on these solo shows. I'm in a situation now, but not being at work, I'm pretty much in the garage late at night every single night. And like late for me is early. Morning in like the UK and stuff like that, or like maybe even in the evening in say a land uh, called Australia. And so I put out a post on the Facebook group, like, hey, if anybody wants to come on uh, to do a quick interview for my solo show, uh, hit me up here. And I had quite a few people enter or uh, respond. And uh, trust me, I have all you guys. uh, I'm gonna try to save that post and and so that I can maybe hit you guys up for making an appearance on these little solo shows it's a chance for me to get people on the show that can't normally join us on our normal recording schedule for the negative positives uh, people from outside the usa or canada or whatever so uh so this this week i managed to land mr theo panagopoulos and uh i i thoroughly enjoyed talking to theo and uh it was it was very uh well i'll say it was it was it was a it was a it's a, it a great time and it was a Theo was brilliant, and I, I want to use the word brilliant, because I, <laughs> I did a, a solo show interview with Anal Mystery recently, and uh, so I was uh, talking to him through Messenger after after the uh, recording, and I, I mentioned to him, like, I noticed, like, all the UK guys really use the word brilliant a lot, whereas, like, Americans, we would probably default to awesome, and so I made that point to Anal Mystery, <laughs> and Anal says... Awesome is overused. It's become devalued. It should be saved for the second coming of Christ, the apocalypse, or your Leica collection. <laughs> so, uh, fair play, fair play, Mister. You might you might be right. I, I just wonder uh, maybe maybe I should put brilliant into my uh, into my vocabulary a little more rather than use defaulting to awesome. Maybe we should use awesome a little more sparingly. So, but anyhow, uh, I am gonna take a break, and then after the break, uh, I will insert. My conversation with Mr. Theo Panagopoulos, the uh, it's either awesome or brilliant. Either way, you want to describe it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Mr. Theo Panagopoulos, this is becoming a very Aussie-focused, Australian-focused uh, uh, podcast here with Matt Murray I'm sending in a call-in now, interviewing another Australian, Mr. Theo Panagopoulos. Yeah, so hey, a little uh, we're going we're going down under on this uh, podcast. So I am going to go. Uh, I'm going to insert that after the break. And I'm gonna go make me a Vegemite sandwich and uh, eat that while we listen. So uh, (laughs) I don't even know what, but that, but that tastes awful. So all right, we'll take a break and we'll have Theo Panagopoulos right after that. So uh, we'll be right back, folks. All right, folks uh something i've been doing on these solo shows is you know i'm a i'm a night owl and uh i realized that uh there's people on the other side of the pond there's people in other parts of the world where maybe it's not such a weird time for them when we normally record the negative positives podcast and and so i put up a little post on the facebook group and some people from other countries besides the usa uh, kind of volunteered to uh uh, you know join me on this little solo show interview to have someone else on they can't normally maybe make our normal recording time but uh, then this this gentleman actually mentioned the fact that uh, it would be a good drinking time for him so that, that immediately put him to the top of the list and uh, so that is none other than Mr. <laughs> Theo Panagopoulos. Uh, how you doing tonight Theo? Or oh, i it Mike? Time, I'm right? <laughs> it's, it's doing tonight. really well.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's evening now is it right? Yes, it is. It's uh, it's uh, about 4:30 in the afternoon. Uh, perfect drinking time. I've opened up my Asahi it. Super Dry, and I'm ready to go. Um, <laughs> nice. And yeah, and shoot some cool film for. Oh, is that the right time? <laughs> Well, yeah, you jump in the gun a tad
0: bit, but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know I, I got to say Theo, you have uh probably the best last name in all the film uh, podcast uh, the film community, uh, uh, Panagopoulos. That's a, that's a great last name, man. It sounds like a I don't know, like a, a cartoon character or something or uh, I, <laughs> Oh, I love oh, I'm not lessons.
3: sure about that. Maybe I should maybe <laughs> I, pronou- I should pronounce it in Greek for you. That might help. Oh, so am I? Am I even pronouncing it properly? You're, you're, in English, you're actually pronouncing it perfectly, but okay. in, uh, in Greek, it's Panagopoulos. Oh, uh, uh, I, I kind of uh, like that. That sounds that sounds
0: more like uh, sounds more gangster that way, man. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Theo. Well, this is your your first time. Uh, you know uh, gosh uh, we've seen you on face cast and all this stuff and, and and those have been very entertaining that's something we're definitely going to dive into in this segment but uh but i feel like I, i've known you uh, pretty well it seemed like you've been with us for a long time uh but i think this is your first time on the podcast so how about you tell the fine folks you know, how you got into photography how you got into this madness
3: sure sure um i i got into photography through what i think a lot of people do is through you know having a little compact camera and and Photographing a lot as, as they're growing up, especially through their teens and and twenties. I uh, I was quite lucky. I mean, I, I had uh, you know opportunity to buy some nice compacts, and generally they were the the Canon short shots, but you know the, the nicer models. And and did you uh, ever go through, a, sh- did you ever, go through a,
0: ever go through an APS phase? Uh, I'm just saying You're, we're about the same. No,
3: age, so. <laughs> I actually went through my APS phase last year. <laughs> well because it is uh, you
0: know aps revival was the hottest trend in film entire he's taking over the world by storm so it made it all the way to which we didn't even mention where you're where you're at uh you're in australia is that correct theo
3: yes i am i, I currently live in sydney australia i did grow up in melbourne australia but I, i've tended to to live across different parts of the world so um that's uh, uh i've sort of come home back to sydney these days
0: Very cool. I I think you're at least the second Australian I've had on the show and I had Matt Murray on. And uh, there was one uh, (laughs) uh, point that I made that I've always wanted to go to Australia and visit. Like it's literally I think it's probably my wife and I's like top place we want to go outside of the usa that i'd like to visit but i mentioned that there apparently is all sorts of things in australia all sorts of wildlife and insects that can kill you so that always uh, has worried me a little bit so <laughs> what do oh, you okay. think of my, yeah, my fears uh, <laughs> the, my fears of your wildlife is it is it uh <laughs> Is it, uh, is, it, is it rational? I don't
3: know. <laughs> oh, it can be. It can be. Even my backyard's full of um, redback spiders, which oh, we no. really have to uh, be careful about. So, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, it could be. I mean, they're not as bad as some of the other ones. They tend to, to sort of shy away. But, uh, but yeah, you go out into some of the western suburbs of Sydney and you start hitting uh, some of the snakes there and uh, it's a bit dangerous. And, of course, we have the <laughs> sharks that come in all the time. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's all pretty
0: sounds, cool. Sounds fantastic. But um I remember in, in that in that conversation, I think uh, I think it was that episode, uh I mentioned uh this this apparently there's a spider that lifts up on its back legs and like and like like lurches down to bite. And somebody actually did find that spider and, and posted a picture of it on the Facebook group and it just scared the holy holy bejesus out of me. But like so have you said do
3: you know what spider I'm talking about? Like cause I've always heard this about this spider. Have you ever heard about yeah, this Yeah, there's, there's a bird eating spider that um I don't think it's around <laughs> Sydney, but um... Uh, it's uh, yeah, it, it has been known to catch um small mammals, or funny enough, they more catch a mouse or something like that rather than a, uh, a bird. But they're, they're called a bird eating spider. Uh, <laughs> <I hate> it. <laughs> it's, uh, but the ones we have here, it's the, um, the huntsman, um, yeah. and they come into the house every so often, and they're they're about the size of your, your hand, uh. and uh and they're pretty harmless they won't do anything they just look very well, scary but um they, how, they how could... you kill them because you smash them that's a lot of guts man I'm uh, of that don't, bit. don't kill them mate you, you catch them and take them outside oh hell no
0: so, you burn those things with fire man like i don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that but uh <laughs> all right Theo, i got you i got you sidetracked man get back to your get back to your photography i got i got on a went on a, a scary nature trail there <laughs>
3: So, so yeah, I always—I uh, must admit—I always just sort of document a lot. But I was very prolific in a lot of my um, photography, which kind of lends itself to the the kind of photographer I am, which tends to be more documentary than anything else. And towards the end of the, my twenties, I you know, I um, I bought my first real SLR um, and Nikon or Nikon, as you guys might call it. Um, <laughs> F70, which is probably the worst camera you can imagine introducing someone to from an SLR perspective. It's got one of these really weird LCD dials, which you know, it's, it's, which is designed like a half-risen sun, which is really bizarre. <laughs> and, uh, um, but it did me really well. And, and from there, I then moved up to the Nikon ranks through to the F5. And um, by, by the early 2000s, I was doing some you know, paid work here and there. But I was also traveling a a lot too. Um, I've lived in you know in the UK twice, um, total of about four and a half years. I worked in Tokyo for a year. I worked in uh, Milan for a year, Um, Germany for a while, Um, and yeah, and uh, even in uh, Moscow for a year. So um, which was quite interesting.
0: Wow! Did you did you was you in really into photography
3: this time? So you've got shots of all those places. Yes, I do. Um, oh, wow. By then, I was in photography. so I, I, And that's why it kind of lends itself to documentary because I was really documenting my travels, what, what I was doing there, um, what I was seeing, um, the people I was, I was with. Uh, mind you, back then, I wish I'd actually sort of reverted back to a few compacts at times because uh, it was a bit unnerving for people having this great big F5 in front of them sometimes. But uh, <laughs> that's yeah, you learn as you go um about that point i I also early two thousand started thinking about me maybe going full professional um i Mm -hmm. did a few professional gigs i was doing a bit of newspaper work i did um some wildlife work um in fact um, i took a trip to kenya um, and hired bbc drivers uh, from drivers from the bbc and uh and organised it around the migration of the wildebeest, and took some absolutely fantastic shots there. Uh, uh-huh. Where one of them actually got um, shortlisted uh, in the BBC Wildlife Awards, which was um, oh really, wow, yeah, all, all on film on you know good old Velvia. So it was all Hell really yeah. uh, all there. And um, but uh, you know, I kind of sat back, saw digital coming, decided I prefer to eat. Rather than photography alone, so um, right, right. I, I followed my career through into the corporate world, and uh, and then um, and then uh, you know, sort of got waylaid into digital for probably about six or seven years um, mm-hmm. in the late um, late part of the first uh, decade, uh, sure. and then it seems to be the time
0: everybody did that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it was dark, it was and dark days, dark, dark days for film at that time,
3: right? It was, yeah. it was very, mm. so, um, and, uh, I must admit, I didn't give it much of a second thought at the time. I was just more interested, but it was, it was funny. I started documenting less and shooting less and, and it became a bit more of a chore to sort of manage, um, at the time I wasn't enjoying the process, um, as much, so, mm-hmm about 2013 I was taking a trip to Cambodia um, just for myself just to get away from I'm, I'm married I've got two boys um, they're pretty much you know fairly grown up now so I, yeah I, we were
0: talking we were talking before the recording and your boys um, you've been married about as long as I have and your boys are pretty close the same age as mine so uh, Theo I'm, I'm seeing a lot of parallels in our lives man I think we are we might be brothers from another mother man I don't know but uh, so <laughs>
3: Except <laughs> I prefer scotch whiskey, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so I was, I was planning for this trip and I had my you know the big D800 that the Nikon D800 had just come out, the big 36 megapixel um sensor. Um, I had all the Nikon gear ready to go, and on, on a whim, I decided to grab a Holger uh again. Oh,
0: AM. nice,
3: nice, <laughs> and a and X, yes. Uh, Took that away with me on the trip. And I, I came back and I processed that. Interesting enough, that's the current article on my website at the moment um, on uh, Photo Thinking, which is um, the Holger itself. And I, I, I documented that trip a little bit on the Holger. I came back and I think that was the hook. I was suddenly hmm. hooked back into film. Um, so, And then I looked on the market and I was just, sudden, all these cameras that I could not never imagine of buying and all the time um, were affordable. So uh-huh. I started collecting um, and went down that hole. So first I collected the Nikon series and then, you know, expanded out. I've got Leicas, I've got Rollie's, I've got um, some of my favourites, which is, which is them. <laughs> you want to do the voice, don't you?
0: I, I'm, 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 I'm charmed at the bit. <laughs> Leica, <Raleigh. laughs>
3: um, And then, <laughs> and then, and then and through to the Mamiya's, um, which is... Mom- uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, that's the one i dislike the most by the way because i'm a really big fan of my, my cameras <laughs> so you you like uh you like canned
0: pasta dishes quite a bit as well so i guess guessing right? yeah not quite <laughs> but, uh,
3: um and after a few weeks of isolation i don't want canned anything ever again afterwards soon i think so <laughs> um but uh but yes um uh, I've ended up on one of my most favorite cameras, which is the Mia 7, Mm. which is, uh, uh, you know, you could call it the the Leica of the medium format world. Um, (laughs) Uh, You're making it too easy for me, Theo. It's (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's such such low hanging fruit, but I got to do it. Go Uh, ahead. One thing I haven't collected much of, though, is pentaxes, I must say. Uh, uh, well, you know, um, I'm guessing you've never really, uh, you know, really,
0: you don't have like calloused hands from being a working man, I guess, is, is probably
3: uh, probably why you're uh, not uh, <laughs> Interesting enough, I actually went to a tech school in my teens, um, uh-huh. and, uh, and I actually grew up doing high school effectively learning how to use lathes and um and you know, machinery like that and so on well,
0: yeah it should be right up your alley
3: then it's in your blood now so there you go but uh... <laughs> <laughs> i must be a bit soft these days though uh, <laughs> much <help> this works. <laughs> right. uh, but
0: right,
3: yes so... Uh, so i ended up down that rabbit hole and and um i've got a collection of just over a couple hundred cameras now
0: yeah, we talked about this in the pre-show talk about what we wanted to address. And uh, you had sent me uh, some photos on uh, Facebook Messenger of, of your collection. And uh, I, I've had this theme lately where it seems like guests I've had on lately have like these massive camera collections. And I, I keep thinking I've found the person that has the most cameras, but uh, I keep finding a new guests come on and, and they may trump that and you may be there. So what what, what is your camera collection? If you had an estimate, what is it up to at this point? I think it's around
3: two hundred and fifty K. <laughs> <counts. So it's...
0: laughs> you might take the prize. That's that's incredible.
3: <laughs> wow. So
0: uh Okay, I have to ask this because I, as somebody that I think I'm hovering around sixty 70 range or something like that, if I count all the like really crappy point and shoots and and plastic fantastics I have laying around in boxes and stuff like that, now, I did I did wean the collection a tad, but uh, with that many cameras, do you struggle with figuring out what you're gonna go shoot on at any particular time or you just kind of just uh, you know, just pick one and go with it?
3: No, I um I actually don't because w- what I do is I, I start using a particular camera and I make a decision. That's what I'm going to use for the next month or so or, or two, depending on the camera and, and how much I want to use it. And when you make that decision and you only load uh, film into, you know, that type of camera. So for instance, I, I may decide to use, you know, the, um, currently from an SLR perspective, I'm using an old Topcon with the, the hmm. old um, original Nocton um, type lens. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and for a compact, on, I am actually using a Pentax. so you go, an SPO. Uh, and
0: great. those great, those are great little compacts. Yeah,
3: they are superb. They are superb. Mm-hmm. I'll be writing an article about one of those soon. Oh, and, awesome. and, and so on. And from a rangefinder, I'll, I'll have one loaded. And and you make a decision. Okay, am I doing rangefinder or SLR today? And but you've already made the choice of which one from those. Okay,
0: makes sense. But basically, you're covered for projects, at least with camera you're going to shoot for, like, the next 250 months or so. So, right?
3: Well, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's kind of the reason why I started my website, too, which mm-hmm. was uh, about, I think it was about 2016, 2017, I started photothinking.com. And, uh, and that was specifically so I can actually write about the camera, share that information. Um, I'm not that interested in terms of trying to get big numbers or advertising or anything like that. I'm, I'm more, pref- I'm more. my preference is to try and help people, you know, understand film photography, contribute to the community. And, and when I get an email from someone saying, oh, I read the article on this camera and it was fantastic. I went out and bought one and I'm having a ball. I, I think it's just worth worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but by writing about them, I also concentrate on what I'm using next because I'll mm-hmm. focus on that. And, but there's always a little bit of side projects, which I do myself, which, you know, things like the Leica is my personal cameras, which I use for for everything. And then eventually I write something about them, but they are, mm-hmm. you know, for more more important work, I obviously have a, a stream of cameras that I, I do focus on.
0: I spent some time on your website before we got on this call, and uh, I, had, I had checked it out before, but I really kind of deep-dived into it a little bit more. And I like the way your website is set up. It's very... uh organized and I give you credit for that because I see a lot of people that I mean you're you're doing a lot of different things with your website with your website and but it seems it's very uh just the way the menu set up I, I uh, congrats on that because I've seen a lot of photography websites where people are you know writing about cameras and showing their photography and stuff and, and it can get a little bit uh, a mess and you've done a good job of keeping that a, a pretty neat format so uh congrats on that so yeah it's very user friendly so there you
3: go oh thank you thank you I appreciate that, that that's great yeah, and so,
0: in your talk about uh, kind of you getting into film photography, brought up actually a lot of a lot of uh, thoughts of mine, uh, and uh, one of the reasons uh, the, the correlation between your photography and and the way I got into it is really really like incredibly similar and i and i'm sure there's many other people that probably went through that same journey if they're about the same age as us but uh because we because uh, we grew up uh i mean we're both uh we don't like to say it i guess theo but we're both 49 years old so <laughs> and, uh, but uh, you uh, promised not to say that <laughs> right come on <laughs> well <laughs> i just turned 49 so I'm, I'm a spring chicken so there you go but uh, but uh the uh but growing up at, at our age you know of course our entire childhood all the way into our early, early adulthood was all on film. It was the only choice. And uh, and so, but then we saw, you know, uh, the, the, we saw like the end, well, what, the decline of film, the beginning of digital and 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 all the way up to where we are now. So we, I think we have, people our age have a a pretty unique perspective of film photography and, and its place in our lives or whatever. Uh, but in my 20s, and I mentioned this on the podcast quite a bit. You know, I, my dad was a photographer. He was into photography. He was, a, he didn't do it uh, as much. He worked so much. He didn't have a whole lot of time for it, but he was hugely interested in it. And so, uh but he, it was never like an artsy photographer. He just wanted to take photos of the family. And um so like, I think that kind of did breed into something to me like, uh you know, the importance of taking photos, even though I wasn't interested in, in artsy photography, I wasn't interested in really even learning a camera, even though my dad kept trying to like, uh, teach me or get me into SLRs. If no, nah, dad, I just want to compact me. I just me and my college friends are going to Florida. I just need something. I can just hit the button and not have to worry about anything. And, but so, but I did make a, a, a put a big importance on taking photos in my twenties, probably because uh, seeing what my dad put importance on that. Um, and even though I wasn't really into photography, did, did you have some, something that sort of uh, made you realize the importance of photography, even before you were into the actual hobby of photography?
3: Definitely, definitely. Um, my, my father wasn't into photography at all, but what he did have was a uh, Polaroid 1000, you know, the, the rainbow mm-hmm. stripe ones, mm-hmm. and um, using the SX-70 film. And uh, he would take photos, uh, you know, in the backyard of us as kids, and, you know, whenever mm-hmm. we'd go somewhere, and we've got albums full of those. And, and when he passed away, though, I've, I've taken the, the albums into into my house and occasionally i'll look through them and i've scanned most of them in now and it 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 kind of reinforced that growing up that you should document your life because Hmm. you know when when you then pass this on to your kids for instance they need to refer back to something. They need to sort of look at something and go, oh, I remember that, or that was a, uh, oh, that's, you know, that's right. That was a pain in the ass back then, you know, taking pictures and <laughs> we didn't want it and and so on. But <laughs> it does does bring back that memory. So um, from from there, it did have a bit of an influence where I just wanted to start documenting everything. So I would travel, you know, on a holiday somewhere, even by myself and meet new people and so on. I would then, you know, photograph everything uh, with, with, you know, back then with the compact and I've got albums Mm -hmm. full of that stuff and I've got, I've kept every single negative, um, I've ever taken, um, in in a filing cabinet and I I could never see myself parting with it. And, you know, Hamish and I've had that discussion through our messenger (laughs) a couple of times, but, um, but, uh, but look, I mean, yeah, he, yeah, different views. Um, and, It is what it is, but I, I just I just find the importance of the, you know, the documentary side of photography um, mm-hmm. more than anything else. Uh, needless to say, I don't not, you know, appreciate the art side of it as well. I've, I've done art courses uh, where I've learned to expand on that but it's really the documentary side through that influence from what my parents used to sort of photograph and, and remember. And, you know, even though they were immigrant parents that concentrated on, you know, making a life for themselves and for their kids, they still, they still photographed every step of it. Hmm.
0: Uh, it, The the Polaroids you were mentioning from your childhood, uh, I ran into a situation where I was scanning uh, a photo album of my wife's um, from when she was growing up, and there was a couple of Polaroids in there. They uh her family apparently only shot Polaroid maybe one pack of it because <laughs> I didn't run into a lot of them, but uh I but I was surprised these these were some Polaroids from like 1978, and uh they had still held up and like no mm. fading whatsoever. It, did, did you find the same? I, I was actually shocked. I I'd never really knew much about like even the old school, I mean, the real deal, old school Polaroid film. I never really thought it would be that archival, but man, it, it these these Polaroids really held up. Uh, of course, they were in photo albums. That might have helped. But uh, have, did you see the same sort of thing out of these old Polaroids? Did they hold up over the test of time?
3: Oh, I did. Uh, interesting enough, I did. And the old albums, you know, the ones with the sticky... Um, the corners the that goes over the yeah,
0: the the plastic, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: and the, the glue
0: eventually kind of dries up and then the, the Yeah, so off.
3: I <laughs> yeah. I didn't feel confident enough to try and unstick that to pull them out. So I've actually had to scan them through that, which which probably uh-huh. probably deteriorated the quality of the scanning a little bit, but um but they did hold up because they've been closed and they've been, mm-hmm. you know, um obviously put in a cupboard which didn't have too much moisture, which uh probably sure. helps as well. Yeah, I found that really interesting. I I,
0: I don't necessarily, I, we don't really know, but I don't necessarily have that same faith in the, the new Polaroid film, but uh, as far as its archival oh, no, nature. I've
3: already, I've, already, I've already had things um, fade already. Um, yeah. Especially the Impossible Project. Um, oh, early
0: Polaroids. on yeah yeah absolutely yeah I, I always scan my Polaroids as soon as I as soon as I as soon as I take them because yeah, I, I really trust them too much but uh but and also uh when you were talking about you know how you got into photography and all this uh, you mentioned like the first uh like real film camera you bought to uh, when you were getting getting serious you wanted to be serious in photography and it was like a kind of a cheap uh, uh Nikon SLR I, I sort of did the same thing but I went the Pentax route I, I bought this camera it was a the ZX50 and it was a really it was way more bare bones than I thought it was. (laughs) And uh, so once I got it and then I started reading photography books, like I can't do this with my camera. Like my camera does this automatically for me. This doesn't give me this option. And uh, so it didn't take long before. I mean, I might've shot that thing for six months before I realized, okay, I got to get, I got to get a camera that gives me a little more control. How how long did you stick with your, your cheap base level Nikon before you realized, like, all right, I got to step up my game.
3: (laughs) (laughs) On you probably, Oh, I think 18 months to two years. Oh, wow. Uh and then um my lucky they, they she, she's, she's my neighbour. She she um she she said, no, you need something better and she <laughs> went straight and got me in there five and you know, and, oh, wow. and back then back then that was a five thousand dollar machine. So oh, it goodness. was uh Yeah, yeah. so uh oh look a lot of my collection i have to actually attribute to my wife my lovely wife she um she she enables me she finds things for me she encourages me um uh to spend money on that because that's that's kind of what we work for and what we want to do yeah right. otherwise I have,
0: I have to say if you have 250 cameras she's definitely completely supportive so <laughs> so i'll give you that and you got it you, you yeah gotta,
3: you got it you with her i'll get, i'll give you that one so uh congrats just, on that she draws the line, though, where I keep telling him my youngest son has to move out of the main part of the house so I can actually take over his room as well, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's fair enough.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, also... Um... Something you mentioned, I think probably around the same time, I guess it was probably early 2000s, uh, into like the mid 2000s. It was probably when, it, like, sort of my borderline of shooting film and then moving into digital. Uh, I did get some chances to not necessarily make it a career because I was already at Ford, uh, working at Ford at this point, but I was using <coughs> photography, not just art shows, but I was using photography as a way to make some money on the side i did a couple weddings and then i had a friend that was a graphic designer and he was always uh, designing web pages and he would send me out on shoots and pay me to take photos all digital of course because he needed the files as quick as possible uh and i realized around that same time that um i'm not cut out for this man i'm not really enjoying this it was a lot of pressure and i just it was taking some of the fun out of it and then it was also around the same time that i was like why am I not enjoying photography? And it's not just me trying to make some money on the side from it, but I just wasn't having as much fun with it. And like when I kind of gave up those little side jobs and then went back to films, like it! I'm going to go back to film. I used to have fun with film. Uh, It just was opened up a whole new world and it, it, it reinvigorated my interest in photography. Did you, was that sort of the same thing? And I also like at that time, especially when digital came out, I felt like there was an influx of everybody trying to make money, photography because it because it, it, it made it so much cheaper for people to take a, a bazillion shots and like yeah I, I feel like the the people trying to make it as a pro photographer when digital really started taking off uh, increased dramatically and made the market so hard to make any money at and you had to like, we did some a couple of weddings that we charged way too little money for and i came home and had to edit all these photos i was like man that was not worth it whatsoever did you run into some of the same uh, same situations
3: Oh, I did, very much so, because you could you could see it coming too, because one of the things that digital did is it consumerized um, photography completely. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, my, my background is actually also working in fast-moving goods um, and logistics and um, retail. And mm-hmm. uh, you've seen this in other areas as well. You saw it in music. You saw it, it, it became... And you could see it would be a lot harder to start making a living, but also from your from your point every time i would shoot digital it it, it felt a little bit soulless look i mean the, the, you can make some great art out of digital and the, oh, the sure. photos i took on my nikon in cambodia for instance i i love them to bits they they're fantastic for for what i wanted um you know i wouldn't necessarily say they're you know national geographic standard or anything like that but they they were very nice but on the same note it's interesting how i I sort of keep looking at the Holger pictures and say, okay, Mm -hmm. they've got something to them. They they bring a bit of soul out into them. They, 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 they give you something extra. Um, And, you know, making the decision that, you know, was the right choice to make, because I think if I went down the professional route and just did digital, it just becomes a job. It's, it's -hmm. it's, effectively becomes, you know, a job of capturing the picture and then, a whole bunch of computer work um mm-hmm. which you know which is not what i wanted to do right right yeah yeah and i always sort of
0: <clears throat> felt felt like i was kind of an awful uh, photo editor anyway <laughs> as far as a uh, photoshop and all that stuff so uh, that that kind of discouraged me as well but and just seeing like <clears throat> you know uh we uh, a couple of weddings we shot uh you know the bride and groom at that point um already already was like expecting well we want we need all the files just send them to us and like and i don't like back in the film days like a lot of wedding photographers they made their money like my wedding our photographer made a lot of money off the photo albums and the prints later they don't you know that that took a big chunk out of their out of making money shooting weddings when you weren't selling them prints and the wedding photo album and all that stuff because that was where a large large source of their income came and i was seeing a couple weddings we shot you know they were already and this is early on when digital was really taken off uh the the bride and groom was like uh yeah uh we we we're gonna get all the files right and then we can do whatever we want with them we can go to walmart and and get them prints prints made (laughs) like uh well uh it's not really how it's supposed to work but uh that kind of sucks but uh whatever just to get you off my back (laughs) you know like it was uh it's it's very odd how that uh you you made a good point about how you know, digital not only kind of uh, made it hard to make a living of photography, but it certainly did the same 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 thing with uh, music and musicians. I I just uh, was reading a thing recently where you know, like uh, this particular uh, the uh, COVID nineteen the corona thing we're going through, like these musicians right now they can't tour because and that touring is where they make their money because they don't make money off album sales anymore you know mm. and uh so uh yeah it's just tough times uh for for, for musicians right now so uh and then this going into the season spring and summer is their main touring time and uh so yeah they're they're even the musicians are, are hurting pretty bad right now because that's their source of income is dried up you know so oh
3: yeah yeah, yeah. and there's a whole industry that follows them as well so everybody mm-hmm. right down to uh the people that set up the stage for instance mm-hmm. uh, it, it must have hurt them a lot oh sure sure all right well um
0: let's see what else did i want to get to with this um well as far as like your, your website and I, I like to ask this to anybody that has had a website going for a while um ha- have you noticed uh and uh, how long how long have you had the website going first of all since t- early 2017 i think okay uh, so that's a, that's a good time frame Uh, In that in that time, have you seen it grow? Like, are you seeing like, you know, it seems like everyone that's involved in film photography has seen, uh, you know, a a, a kind of a a slow growth and or not even that slow, truthfully, like, uh, even like I watch like this podcast, uh, the numbers, the listeners has been a slow kind of growth the entire time we've done it. And have you noticed that with traffic on your website? Has it like increased uh, with the with the increase in interest in film photography?
3: yeah very- very much so um I noticed about oh, about yeah about two years ago um the initial first few months were a bit slow and then suddenly um it exploded, but it wasn't just a steady growth that you'd expect it exploded mm. um considerably um I'm talking like um my my website's actually grown something in in the region of um two hundred percent per year at the moment oh, wow so well, that's awesome. Yeah. In terms of traffic. So it is actually, um, it's still quite one of the smaller ones. I'm nowhere near where, um, M and, um, James and, um, uh, Hey, Misha, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it's still, uh, the growth was quite considerable to the point where we've now got, um, I think you guys have mentioned that you've got a podcasters back chat channel in Messenger mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. yeah. We've mm-hmm. got one for the bloggers as well.
2: Oh, and, awesome. And,
3: uh, yeah. So, and um, Mike Ekman, um, some people may know him. He he put he puts up a lot of reviews. Um, yeah. Started he does. one up mm-hmm. with with myself and Hamish, and um, and next thing you know, we thought I oh, will make this an official sort of channel, and you know we had M and Bellamy and all those guys on there after you know pretty quickly, and you know um, yeah for some reason um, Hamish decided at one point to, to call it something um, along the lines of sausage porn and um, Bellamy was asking why he, he had to explain to his wife that he'd just been invited to a group called sausage porn or something like that. but, uh, but uh, anyway we, we've got lady members now and all that so we were a lot more better behaved um, but um, but everyone in that group um, has, has said that, it, that the numbers have just gone a lot uh, people are a lot more interested the community um, by the, by its nature uh being helpful there, there's not that much i mean there is the the crusty people in there but by its nature is very helpful has helped mm-hmm. it grow a lot um mm-hmm. yeah and i think your your facebook group um is a huge te- um huge example of that
0: um, yeah it's been amazing I, I i'm i'm actually probably more proud of that than the actual podcast it's just been amazing what that thing has become and really from from no from no uh no real uh uh, input of my own but (laughs) so uh i've been able to sit back and watch that thing uh, be be pretty awesome without me having to do a lot of work on it so pretty cool
3: (laughs) and uh, so uh, so so yeah, so we've all seen the growth, and what we've done is we've, we've sort of organised it so we support each other as well and give each other mm. advice and, and and so on. So um, it just fosters this this growing sense of the community to the point where you'll notice that a lot of the blog sites have started putting on advertising. I, I don't need to do that at the moment, so I'm not I'm not worrying about it. But um, some of the other ones, which you know the costs are starting to rise a little bit, have started you know advertising and bringing that on which is actually a good thing. It means that the volumes are growing, and they're they're having to be able to support those volumes to uh mm-hmm. to actually um pay for them that way, and it just goes to show that the interest is is just ex- exploding.
0: Mm, that's awesome, yeah, uh, I, and I agree. I, I'm glad that I didn't know that a, a kind of a messenger group back channel kind of existed for you guys. I'm glad it does because one of the things like M kind of set up um, M from also set up the uh, the podcasters uh, kind of messenger thread and. Uh, and one thing that was really important was I kind of got all of us on the same page and starting to work together. I mean, we all like, uh, I think most of the film podcasts have tried to support each other but having a common thread where we're all talking and and sometimes it's just a lot of bullshit being talked about but but having that uh, has made the, the the all the film podcasts kind of come together as a as a bit of a community and, it, and i think that's that's better we're not we're not uh we're not competing in this folks we're we're all trying to uh do the same thing and that's promote film and get this keep this thing growing and i think uh working together is way better than seeing uh, another podcast or another blog or website as competition so because that's not that's not you know, not what we're trying to accomplish here we're trying to just grow this thing right
3: well that's exactly right i mean none, mm-hmm. of, none of the 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 bloggers um uh competing against each other we we help each other i mean uh, i was on the phone with uh m a couple of weeks ago where he was helping mm-hmm. me sort out some some changes that i want to make to the website and whether they're a great idea or not and le- i can lean on his experience in in that field which 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 helps a lot and um We've all got the same aim. We're not. We're not going to make money out of it. Um. So mm-hmm. right. Yeah. You know, let, let's just grow it. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Em has been like, he's been tireless. I don't know how the guy. I don't know when the guy sleeps, man. He just seems to be tireless and and helping <laughs> uh, helping all of us kind of promote this thing. And uh, it's amazing what the, the work he does behind the scenes that a lot of people don't even know about. And uh, how he does a lot of work to keep um, bringing people in the community together. And uh, he should be a part for that for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, so something else here. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's been uh, on the Facebook group, the Positive Facebook group, we've always uh, uh, promoted and loved to see uh, what, what was actually deemed by Mr. Stephen Ray as uh, he officially uh, called them face cast. And um, <laughs> I always enjoy seeing them. And I- Theo knows what's coming here. But uh, <laughs> but there's been two occasions <laughs> Now, where uh, Mr. Theopanagopoulos and Mr. Stephen Ray, uh, who is uh, actually I think is actually Captain St- Captain Honest Stephen Ray, the People's Friend, everyone's favorite Kiwi, uh, he has many names and, and slogans he goes by now. But uh, but uh, there's been two occasions where the negative pauses uh, film photography. <laughs> podcast facebook group has been flooded with some some quite entertaining videos of uh of theo and stephen ray uh on some some adventures the first one was a little more uh i guess it was last year it was a little more photo um centric uh except for i think there was some sort of uh uh, storyline where Stephen Ray had kidnapped you. And that was a little disturbing, but, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but this last one, a couple of months ago, I uh, sat here in the the cave uh, after like came out here and, and opened up my Facebook feed, knowing that you guys were uh, together that day and went through all the uh, face casts and uh, kind of sat here and laughed till I cried at some of them because uh, the weather didn't quite pan out, I guess. But, um, so what was supposed to be a photo walk became more of a, I would call a pub crawl, but I don't know, Theo, maybe, maybe explain, uh, explain a little bit that day and, and just, uh, uh, there's a lot of people I would love to meet in the film community. And Stephen Ray is, is really high up on my list because he <laughs> just looks like an absolute party. And so, so, uh, but to explain uh, a little bit about that day and, uh, what exactly happened because I enjoy <laughs> it's, it well, reminds me, it reminds me of some of my early podcast where, uh, as the podcast went on, I d- dive deeper into uh, drunkenness, and uh, those face casts kind of went in the same sort of storyline. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe maybe defend yourself or explain what
3: happened there, because I thought oh, like it. <laughs> it's all on video. There's no defending. There's um, <laughs> we have to cop the guilty plea in this one. <laughs>
2: um,
3: but uh, no, it's actually Steve. Steve's great. Um, I I reached out to him uh, last year uh, about the same time which was about february and said look i'm coming over i'm doing a lot of work in new zealand and and, and it's probably worth elaborating there i um i run a uh, multinational team and uh, a lot of my team is actually in new zealand so i'm, I'm over mm-hmm. there a lot and uh i um to the point where i think um, matt jones is accusing me of migrating over there which uh which is uh <laughs> quite, quite an interesting point but uh but anyway i um I, I reached out to him and said, oh, would you like to get to for, for, for photography? And as it transpired, um, being the, the welcoming Kiwi that he is, uh, he said, why don't you come over and stay with us? And uh, I thought, "Oh, fantastic. So, you know, you know should I shouldn't I? <laughs> I don't know this guy. Who is he? <laughs> uh, all I know is he sits in car parks without pants on and, you know, whatever. What the, what the, what the, so, I, um, yeah. Uh, uh, so I, uh, accepted the invitation and stayed over and, uh, he and his wife, Carolyn were absolutely fantastic people, um, looked after mm-hmm. me really well. They took me around the Coromandel, which is absolutely beautiful area. And we, we photographed that. So, so we get around to this year and he, he, he writes to me and says, "Oh, are you are coming over again soon? And I go, yeah, every month. Um, why don't we organize something? So we organized to, to go out and see the black beaches, um, the black mm-hmm. sand beaches out on the Western side of New Zealand. Um, of the north, um, the north uh, island, and uh, so we 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 start. You know, it's absolutely beautiful weather. You know, all the way through to the Saturday, the Sunday <laughs> where we were meeting. Yeah, uh, sorry, all the way to the Friday, and then the Saturday okay. we were meeting. It was raining cats and dogs, um, <laughs> and then the Sunday when I was leaving, it was all perfect again. So it was just that one day. Oh naturally um, yeah yeah naturally so so we end up going to the beaches as well and it was just it just you couldn't shoot anything um and you know I've got my, my MIA 7 out which is which is not something you want to take into the rain either um <laughs> those things are worth a little bit money so um so I, I decided at that point that uh you know we decided at that point that you know a pub crawl was was in order so we went over to the pub and you know ordered some lunch and ordered some beers and, you know, ordered some more beers and then some more beers. And, uh, <laughs> he was joined by a friend of his and, um, you know, Carolyn came over and I think she, she left in disgust halfway through
2: because, talking <laughs>
3: um,
2: so uh, did, did
0: Stephen did steven get in ray with the, did steven ray get in, in trouble with the better half on on that day did, did you get him in trouble because that, well, that's what good he friends was in do
3: trouble at that point but um he did he did actually propose to a waitress afterwards so <laughs> i think that would have got him into a little bit trouble <laughs> beyond that
2: <laughs>
3: um but uh but yeah it was all in fun of course and then um, um you know being being the good hosts, um, they were staying with a friend's uh, our friend uh, over there. Um, uh, got taken back there, and we had uh, and uh, this this person um collects um vintage um guns. Yes, <laughs>
0: it seemed like a really bad idea. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, so. After a, a nice barbecue of some game um, game meat, uh, which was really nice, um, he <laughs> starts showing us. Yeah, you know, just what you want to do after you've had too much to drink. So I think the in. Yeah, <laughs> we, no, we weren't shooting. We were a bit more reasonable than that. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm sitting there holding a. Um, a gun that John Wayne used, not the the actual gun, but the the model that John Wayne used in all his movies. <laughs> yeah, you know, right, being right. videotaped for it, thinking, yeah, you know, afterwards, this isn't probably a good idea being videotaped drunk holding a, a big shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: think you, uh, even maybe threatened my life a little bit on that video. And I was worried that that thing with the range
3: that thing has, I'm yeah, pretty sure it wasn't a joke be. about the Mamaya cameras, mate. Come on. <laughs> I was pretty sure the range wasn't going to reach Louisville, Kentucky, but I thought I
0: don't know, man. If John Wayne used it, it might be might be pretty good. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe I ought to cut back on my my my, my Mama Mia jokes, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, all right. So I got to say it was it was hilarious. I, and uh, what I liked about it is uh, if I ever get a chance to party with you guys, I can tell that uh, it would be a blast because uh, it seems like uh, you guys are the same kind of. Um, uh, well, the same kind of drunks that I am is—you become a, "I love you, man" kind of drunks. As uh, <laughs> so, so, I, yes, I, I had my moment <laughs> in, in, in,
3: in the car.
0: <laughs> you did, you did, you definitely had an Andre moment. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it. Well. Uh, so now, so you've been to New Zealand several times and I hear like nothing but like fantastic uh, uh, things about like photography in New Zealand, about it being just a beautiful country. Did you Are you finding that too, like just New Zealand, just an amazing place to shoot photography?
3: Oh, it is. It is. It, it is um, fantastic. I've had a few trips um, out, out of Auckland as well through to uh, Rotorua where they have the, the volcanic um, lakes and all that kind of thing there mm. as well. Um, I've taken a few trips, um, across to the little island in Auckland as well through the ferries, mm-hmm. um, uh, a- absolutely beautiful. Um, and, and the people there are superb. Um, I know, I know we keep saying, uh, Stephen Ray's, uh, everybody's favorite Kiwi, <laughs> but yeah, he is maybe for the rest of the world, but within Kiwi land <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all there's a lot of competition <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nice. Uh, so I, I have to Stephen Ray. When I had my my wife on the episode, I think he asked a question uh, about asked a question to her uh, when we were going to come and visit, and uh, we were like, well, Stephen, maybe when I retire, I'll, I'll come over there. And uh, but I was hoping he'll you know he would like you know uh, hoping he would like you know give us a place to stay. But I, and I made a comment like I'm assuming that he'll have you sleep in like a hammock, right? Did he have a hammock? that you slept in like i just feel like that
3: <laughs> that's his captain's thing no yeah, no no, no. A hammock, <laughs> but uh... <laughs> <laughs> gave me a proper bedroom which was very very nice <laughs> okay
0: okay i'd be happy with a hammock i just i, guess, I just wanted to, <laughs> wanted to clarify what, I, what i'll get myself into if it ever happens but uh
3: you know um... if you you go over there and um uh, visiting I'm, I'm gonna have to make a trip over there as well And we'll have oh all, absolutely three of absolutely us together.
0: And good, good, good. good cause, uh, there's nothing I'd like better than a, a trip overseas and, and piss off my wife as well. So, uh, that would be... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, but, um, okay. And so one, one last thing, I, I don't know how it's a strange time and, uh, you know, we—it's hard to to like have anybody on the show without talking about it. But like during this uh, weird coronavirus thing, like how how's your shooting been? And, and also just a little bit like uh, shooting in Australia, like what what is uh, what is that like? Because I mean, I've never been over there, but like uh, what what is? Uh, I guess you guys—am I correct? You guys are kind of entering
3: like fall now. Would it be like fall over there yeah, now? We are, okay. and in this time of year, I'll probably uh, tackle the second part of the question first. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it, it is um, what we call autumn, uh, and, uh, and it's, it's, especially in Sydney, the light is absolutely gorgeous because it's mm. still warm, so we're still in you know, 20, 24 degrees some days, um, mm. it very rarely goes any lower at, at this point of year. Um, not that Sydney ever really gets that cold anyway.
0: Yeah. It never, it never uh, really gets that cold there, right? Your winter is not really that damn bad. Right? I,
3: I, right. I, I've lived in, I've lived in, you know, you know in Europe and in Moscow, <laughs> you know, Moscow and so right. on. It, it's not, it's nothing. Um, right. and I think we get as low as 13 degrees during the day sometimes, which, uh, which, uh, feels cold, but it's, you know, it's nothing to Europe, but the light during, you know, autumn and, um, and winter, is absolutely superb, especially in Sydney. Sydney tends to have a very dry winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it does rain, it rains for a couple of weeks nonstop. But then it's just the rest of the time, it's just clear. And it's a low winter sun as well. So oh, you wow. get all these. So, yeah, of the angles, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's great to get out and get to the beaches and shoot there you get into the city and get all those little crevices of light coming through. Um, you know he's superb as well or out into the blue mountains which is um which is just magic out there as well um and it's uh, you know you're making
0: you're, you're making me so jealous man i i was i was i was wanting to like uh uh you know make you jealous like haha we're entering our warm season now and you guys are entering winter but like your winter is actually fucking amazing so like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can't we can't swim so great <laughs> right, right
3: but wow so, so it's actually uh, really, really nice to get out and shoot. Now, with um, with what's been happening, we went into a fairly quick lockdown um, in, in Australia. Um, they're not calling it a lockdown, but it's effectively a lockdown where yeah. it's really limited the amount of time we could go out and shoot. And my shooting, um, you know, I've done hardly anything uh, for the last four weeks or so, um, mm. mainly because I, you know, follow the rules, do the right thing. And that's the only way we're going to sort of beat this thing. And, sure. uh, and, and uh, so I've concentrated more on maybe reorganizing myself, getting, you know, getting slides, you know, into actual slide mounts and, you know, uh scanning the backlog. so
0: so so you're you're basically doing what all us people have to do when we have shitty winters what we have to do during the winter to keep ourselves busy with (laughs) photography (laughs) it's the coronavirus that's kept that's made you do our our typical winter projects so the stuff that i just let
3: sit in the backlog for years and years because we just keep shooting (laughs) so
0: So, uh, yeah so you don't ever have a time of year where you you don't shoot i guess
3: no, not really. I mean, we shoot all year round here. Yeah. Um, you know,
0: that's it, Theo. I, I hate you. I'm not, I'm not even. I'm not even going to put this. I'm not going to put this segment in the podcast now. Just you know. <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: uh,
3: but yeah, I mean, it does. It does. I mean, this year was a bit of a, a weird one because we went through um, initially all the bushfires, which just yeah put this strange light out, which made it almost impossible to get anything decent on film and um, was that
0: was uh was the pollution really bad from that i heard it was right
3: it was terrible it was terrible yeah. someday you just couldn't see anything it was just this orange cloud and, and it went for months and then um and then on the on the back of that you know it we, we got some floods going and that didn't affect said sydney so much um and then this whole um COVID 19 thing um So it's been one thing after another, which, which hasn't really, you know, photography is obviously the last thing you you need to worry about in these kind of things, Mm -hmm. but it it hasn't allowed for photography to continue as, as normally. Um, Mm. I I was wondering about the, the, about the fires.
0: Uh, My wife actually like sewed up a bunch of like these pouches for and sent them to Australia to for like uh uh for them to put like baby animals in that had that had lost their mothers and stuff like that and like baby bats and all this kind of crazy stuff and uh but like how what was the like has, has there been any sort of because uh, I haven't followed it that closely but has there been any sort of like idea of the impact uh, on the wildlife as any any like was anything like in, endangered species or anything in, in, in really like really hurting now because of it or
3: was it I mean, like, how, it's, it's... There is, including the koalas, um, they, they lost a fair fair bit because they only eat one thing, um, which yeah. is the, the eucalyptus leaf, yeah. which mm-hmm. pretty much keeps them stoned yeah. the whole time as well, too. So it's, it's, it's both <laughs> really a bad, bad thing to have. But, um, but, but yeah, they, they, can't, they, they can't eat or party right now. So, yeah. that's, well, a... that's
0: right.
2: <laughs> so,
3: uh, so that was... Um, i mean that was terrible and but there's a, there's i believe there's quite a few um animal types which which are really struggling now and they still haven't been able to measure it because on the back of this we've, we ended up all being locked up and um i i think um they, they can't do the work and sort of work out the the actual damage that's occurred um hmm. i know in um one of the islands i think it was easter island um there was a um a huge fire there and there was a particular type of wallaby, which is like a small kangaroo, which mm-hmm. uh, which isn't anywhere else in the oh, world, wow. um, which which could potentially be extinct now. I'm, I'm not sure what the end result was. So oh. uh, yeah, that's uh, it's it's really terrible. I mean, they, I, I don't think people realise how big they were those fires too, because when when you actually overlay it, um, Australia is about the same size as the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you you overlay the the actual fires and the amount of space that's being burnt. And obviously Australia's not as populated as US, so the fires mm-hmm. can go bigger areas. Um, you just realise how much when you start talking about 20% of the land or something like that is on fire. Oh. Like that, that's that's amazing amount. Gosh, that, yeah,
0: that would be like a whole, like a, yeah, that would be like a, a third of the U S or yeah, yeah or, or a quarter of the, yeah. Yeah.
3: One of the fires was bigger than the size of, um, I think it was Belgium. Oh, wow. So, Jeez. Yeah. That's crazy. Um,
0: well, I hope, hopefully, uh, the good wildlife will, will, will maintain. I, I wouldn't mind if it burned up some of your all crazy spiders or whatever you got over there. Yeah, that, that, that's, <laughs> get rid of them damn things. But, uh, but yeah, wow. Um, all right. Well, uh, Theo, has been a real blast talking to you, man. And like, you know, it's funny every time I do these like, uh, kind of solo show interviews, uh, I always go into it and I was like, yeah, we like to keep these things about 30 minutes and uh, it never happens. It always ends up being about an hour, but I, I love it cause it's uh, it's been a real blast talking to you, Theo. And, uh, thanks for coming on, man. It's been, it's been, been very cool talking to you, talking with you.
3: You're welcome. I very much, um, enjoyed myself. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well,
0: um, how about you tell the fine folks uh, where to check you out, your your website and all your social media stuff, so we can get sure, get people checking sure. you out.
3: The easy the easiest place to to find me is uh, photothinking dot com. Um, it's got all my links to my socials there, including Instagram, which is Theo underscore Uh and it's spelled there. So I'll try and uh, spell it out here. But um, <laughs>
0: I'll try to get it right in the show notes. Uh, hopefully, I'll spell it
3: right. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, photothinking.com, um, I'll be uh, expanding a, a few of the things there in the near future. I've got a few uh, few ideas where it's a bit more than camera reviews, but it seems to be the camera reviews seem to be the, the more popular thing, so I'll make sure i keep those going um, and, uh, um, and do my own photography projects on the side, and uh, I'll probably one day have a, a big release on those and maybe even put out a zine.
0: There you go. So uh, out of the 250 or so cameras, do you have how many, what percentage of those do you think you've put reviews on so far? What, what percentage do you think you're at? <laughs> About 60, I think. 50 or 60. Okay. Okay.
3: So you got a good chunk of them. So you're going to yeah. have
0: to, you'll have to buy some more cameras in the future, I guess. I mean, yeah. Keep that website going. <laughs> so,
3: but... Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's the excuse I'm using and I'm sticking to it and <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll keep on that. <laughs> <laughs> also uh, with with your website do you
0: like we talked about how it's increased do you get a lot of interaction do you get people emailing you asking questions that you
3: help them out with is that something else you, that you do a lot i do i do actually uh and that's um i always encourage that because i'm really happy to help as much as i can uh the uh, you might you have to wait a few days for me because it gets a bit busy sometimes but um but uh, I get questions like, uh, "I've got this camera, and i'm I'm not sure how to shoot it, and I'm not sure if this is working correctly. and and then I'll get questions on when I do it on on a particular film. What's the best way mm. to shoot this film? How what do you rate it at that? Um, I'm rubbish at answering any developing questions because I don't do my own developing yet, so mm. um, I haven't for a long time. so, um, but um, I'm happy to help with those too. And then there's technical questions. So I'm thinking of getting this camera. I'm not sure which model to get and, and you know, um, what's the difference in the features and, um, you know, this is the kind of style I shoot. What what should I get? Um, mm-hmm. Unlike um, some of the other websites, I don't seem to get as many questions which are, oh, what's the best camera?
0: <laughs> right, right. I was going to should... ask, to me, it seems like one question you get. Uh, and I think, uh, I think I'd, maybe it was Mike Rosso told me that he was starting to get, and I think he's even said it on his podcast, but uh, he uh, FPP film photography podcast. And uh, he was saying that he's starting to get a lot more questions from people that are just brand new to film. I mean, like absolute newbies and they're they're asking Mm. the most basic questions again that he hasn't had in several years because, you know, uh, there's a lot of new people entering it. So what is the number one, like new photography? Is it like, Hey man, I want to try out film photography. What camera should I get? Do you, do you get that one? Cause I feel like that would be the first one. I, I, ask. I,
3: I get that. And um, luckily most of them only take one more question to say, what kind of shooting do you do? And, um, and they range from, I, I want to do some artwork through to, I, I just want to take snapshots with a half frame with my friend and, you yeah, mm. and, and and so on. So, um yeah interesting enough i get a, a fair few questions from teenagers which um mm-hmm. which is awesome. really, really encouraging sure it is yeah very awesome
0: all right, well, Theo is again, uh thanks for coming on, man. It's been a, a real blast. And uh so I, I have to do this because even though this isn't the end of this solo show, I, everyone that comes on needs to have a chance to uh, say the the famous the famous catchphrase that everyone gets wrong. So uh and, and 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 Theo practiced it a little bit uh beforehand and I, I'm sure he's going to nail it. So uh <laughs> We'll see how that goes. But uh, uh, so, all right. Again, thanks to Theo Panagopoulos. Uh, definitely check out his website and his work. Uh, he has been awesome on here. And uh, so, hey, uh, until the next segment, uh, everybody stay positive. And shoot some cool
3: Mamaya film for like photo. <laughs>
0: uh mama Mamia. mia
3: but uh, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> all right
0: thanks theo hey go go uh, open you up a, a nice fresh can of uh, canned pasta and uh, uh mia brand pasta <laughs> <laughs> all right uh cheers brother thanks thanks mike see ya <laughs> right, bye Hey folks we are back for the final segment and again a huge thanks to Mr. Theo Panagopoulos for joining me on this uh, little solo show interview and I actually have someone lined up for the next solo show uh, interview and uh, this is a good chance uh, for me to kind of get some people on that can't normally come on and I've been thoroughly enjoying uh, talking to some people from around the world that have a little harder time uh, joining this podcast but again huge thanks to Theo Panagopoulos it was a, a real blast Finally, finally talking to him you know, you, you get to you feel like you start uh, knowing people in this community, uh, but there's always something really, really cool and fun about actually talking to them, uh, even if even if it's just through Skype. It's a, uh, it's a uh, just a, it's just been a real blast, and I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying kind of meeting people all around the world, uh, or just through this podcast. Has been probably my favorite part about doing this is just talking and meeting people, and uh, actually getting like these. Uh, friendships built, um, through the community, which has uh, really been amazing. Okay. Um, then last thing we're going to do, we're gonna, because we haven't had one in a bit, I'm going to get to a, a call camera view. Uh, just insert one little call camera view. I've got several lined up here. Uh, so we're going to listen to, um, uh, hopefully I got, uh, I'll get this right. It's Sendre Scarpaggio. I think I got that right. Uh, Cendre, hopefully I pronounced your name properly. Cendry Scarpaggio uh he is going to talk about the olympus stylus epic the Mew 2 uh a camera that holds a special place in my heart uh also a little bit of a hollow hole in my heart because uh well i had one and i sewed it back in my digital days and i still regret that self to this to this day but hey you know it is what it is uh, these uh, we all make mistakes right but let's listen to what Sindri has to say about the olympus stylus epic uh, the Mew 2
4: hello folks my name is Sintri Skarpíðunson I'm um, sending here the, well my first call in camera review, decided to make this as simple as I can, so I found a fairly simple camera I have here the Olympus Mew or known as Stylus Epic in America, it is a, um, well I think most people know what it is. Anyways, it's a 35mm point-and-shoot camera. It's very small. It's very light. It's very simple. There are not a lot of things to this camera. There is a big shutter button on top. In my case, it's very shiny. There is a cover in the front. It goes to the side. This is the sound the camera makes when it, well, turns on and, and moves, the, moves the lens a little bit. Uh, the lens is a 35mm f2.8. Uh, it has multi-autofocus for some reason. It's not good multi-autofocus. It's uh, good-ish it will focus on what it seems to, seems to have decided just whatever is good probably some high contrast or highlight areas I would guess fairly old technique in this autofocus uh, one thing to have in mind is that when you open the camera it is automatically in flash mode so if you're gonna take photos or multiple photos of people without their knowledge you need to press one of two buttons in the back. The button on the left side. That one controls the flash mode. Now they are different. I don't know, they have red eye, fill in, uh, night scene, whatever. Just press it until there's a no flash logo. And then there's no flash but I did find an article on 35mmc.com 35mmc.com there's actually an article of how to modify this camera so it retains the flash settings might actually read that better sounds like a pretty interesting thing to do also look like Looks like something I would uh, fuck up. There is, yeah, not much to this camera. It does everything for you. Wind, rewinds, and you just press the button. That's it. Um, Mine has a sticker in the front. That sticker says, all weather. Uh, For some of you people, that might be true. Uh, I live in... uh, yeah i live in a uh, island that's far away from everything it's called iceland and all weather here doesn't quite mean the same as all weather uh, in other places so i would say this is a, a decent summer camera now it's only i think 16 to 18 meters here right now where i am but we do have, yes, we do have yellow warning and orange warning going on just like every week and I'm not gonna take this camera out in this weather for me this will remain a summer camera Uh, there is one thing that is, uh, that I think is interesting especially with those small point-and-shoot cameras and I actually encourage people try it out, I don't care if you have this one or if you have another one or whatever just I think you should all try this out now these cameras they do read DX coded film and they set the ISO accordingly and this specific model reads a DX coded film from 50 ISO to 3200 so I encourage you to look up the different DX coatings. Uh, go, go to your film stash, find a decent 400 speed black and white film. Now I'm not gonna go into, yeah, Ilford versus Kodak versus whatever, just whatever film you use and scratch off the dx code so you will get a reading of uh, yeah 1600 or even 3200 and load that up into your yeah small point and shoot camera and then the camera will read the dx code as either yeah 1600 or or 3200 i believe there was an article about this with emulsive. Uh, excuse my sound, my keyboard sound. Emulsive DX code. Uh, yeah, let's just say he did it. If not, he can send me an email arguing. Uh, I think this will be it for this one i hope this made any sense to you people and shoot some cool film photos with a point and shoot with a cracked dx coat.
0: well thank you so much sendry for your calling camera view for the olympus stylus epic Mute 2 uh you know it's a camera that i would love to have in my arsenal but it's a little too rich for my blood I-, I fortunately picked up a Pentax UC1, which is kind of the Pentax, uh, sort of, uh, I guess, the closest thing that Pentax made to the Olympus Stylus Epic. And that has sort of quenched my thirst for the camera. I wouldn't pass one up if I see one at a thrift store for two bucks, so trust me. But uh, uh, very good points about changing uh, DX code in these automatic uh, compact cameras. That's something I've done a lot. It's very easy. Like if you want to shoot like uh, 400 speed, like a lot of times uh, with my Pentax UC1, I use some Trihex, x uh, you know, which is a 400 speed film, and it literally just takes matter of taking a razor blade and scratching off like one of the the black squares on the DX code, and it, and then your camera will read it as 1600, or I think it's like two squares you scratch off, two black squares you scratch off to make it uh, your camera read it as 3200. So it's a good way to like push 400 speed film, DX coded film, uh, if you want in those little compact cameras. Uh, I think at some point I did a maybe a podcast or a face cast on that kind of thing. Probably deeply buried in the Facebook group and all that stuff, but uh, it, look it up. It's pretty easy. Uh, there's all sorts of uh, things online about DX code charts and, and how you can pretty easily just take a razor blade and scratch off a black square and make 400 speed 1600 or like two black squares to make... 400 speed, 3200. So a good way to push film in these little compact cameras that, that read DX code. So uh, again, thanks to Sindri for the, the, the call-in camera view. And if you want to send any sort of call-in, whether it be a camera review, film review, anything of, uh, about your film photography journey, anything you want to bitch about, or if you want to uh, tell me to uh, uh, hey man I want to post on Instagram all I want and you just quit complaining about it Mike and I'm going to send you a call in and say you're being an asshole uh, that's fine I'll play that too But <laughs> so it's easy to do uh, just send us an audio file easiest way is to kind of just record it on your phone most fo- phones have a voice recording app or whatever you can just talk into your phone and send us the audio file to nagpositives at gmail.com and I will put it in the queue to get on the air Okay, uh, next up, uh, I need to talk about the Kofi the donations. And uh, I got a couple here to get out here. Uh, it is www.ko-fi.com slash negative positives. And the first one comes from, let's see, let me get all this right here. Let me pull it up. Uh, Mr. Nigel Cliff. And uh, Nigel's been very supportive on, on coffee or Kofi or whatever, and I appreciate you, Nigel. He, he does this with a lot of podcasts. He's very generous, and uh, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, his comment was, great show with Anil. He's always interesting to listen to. I agree. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, talking to Anil Mystery, and I hope you guys enjoyed that as well. Uh, super, super great guy. Just, uh, man, no matter no matter what questions I threw at Anil, he had just, uh, well, it's from the uk guys had just brilliant responses or uh, you american guys awesome responses <laughs> so uh but thank you nigel and next up ken bertram and this was absolutely amazing uh ken has been very supportive of roxana Angles' uh uh film uh uh, project with it, her students that are uh dealing with issues of anxiety and using film photography as a healing process with her students uh something she's doing on all in her own time ken has been very uh, uh generous to her in the past and just really blew us away with this one this is even more unbelievable uh his coffee comment was the bertram foundation for film photography studies has decided to match the donations collected for roxana angles film photography society during the months of march and april hopefully some of the fees are covered and uh so basically ken matched all the donations you guys gave uh, through the month of uh, march and the first week of april ken has matched it unbelievable and Roxana was blown away by this and i've already sent her the funds through paypal so she has that uh to help her through this time where she's like sending film out to students and and paying for their postage to send the film back to her for her to uh uh develop those uh, photos for her students and all this so uh something that she can really really use i uh, had some emails <clears throat> with uh, ken when he first uh, announced that he was going to do this to us he sent uh, do this for roxana he sent us an email <clears throat> and I, I sent him a huge thanks like unbelievable like Uh, basically doubled Roxana's the donations to Roxana within a uh, just just by him alone and that is unbelievable Uh, so I gave him a huge thanks about it and he sent us an email that says Mike uh, you are very welcome I told Roxana that if she needs supplies to let me know however she might not ask me if you hear of anything she needs send me an email the reasons I support the class are various I had a great program in high school where I took photography classes half a day and went to high school the other half And i'm just paying it forward plus andre says we have to get these kids hooked on film i worked as a counselor for 23 years so i have an idea of what she is doing and i use photography in one of those jobs so i I believe strongly on how photography can help with anxiety stress and life in general take care ken well thank you so much ken that is unbelievable uh basically doubling the donations that you guys uh listeners sent to help roxana out he uh just himself alone doubled that and by matching your all's donations and that is unbelievable ken bertram you were awesome thank you so much and i'm sure Roxana will uh will love to thank you as well uh, she was extremely blown away by it uh just unbelievable all right well that's it for the the coffee donations and uh thank you guys so much and uh for the for this month uh through the rest of this month probably into may probably for the foreseeable future until we get past this uh, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 uh, thing that we're all going through. Every donation that we receive in the Negative Positives uh, Coffee account, uh, we will be donating to some sort of relief fund for uh, coronavirus uh, and COVID-19. Uh, w- whatever we can find that we think would uh, could really use some help, uh, we're going to use those donations to uh, uh, send that on to something... Uh, that can uh, help out people that are uh, having some uh, even more troublesome times uh, than maybe some of us are having. So uh, that's just what we're doing with uh, the coffee donations for uh, the rest of this month and probably into the foreseeable future until we get uh, opened up, I guess, and things get back to back to normal, I guess. So uh, I feel like it's, uh, that's that's kind of the least we can do. All right, um, the last thing I want to get to is <laughs> uh, before I get to the, the socials to end the show. Uh, You know, I have a, 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 on these solo shows, at the end of every solo show, I put out a music file, right? A music file from someone in the community that is also a musician as well as a photographer. And if you guys are out there and you do some music on the side, if it's one of your other passions... Uh, I am calling out for this stuff because I am thoroughly enjoying hearing what people in the community, the kind of music they create and all that. It's just been a real uh, a real blast getting these files. And I have uh, quite a few songs received from several people. Uh, and so, you know, not quite running out of them yet, but I can always use more. Uh, Cause I'm trying to like, s- some people sent like four or five songs. So I'm not playing like four or five solo shows in a row of all their material. I'm trying to like, you know, separate it and keep it fresh. Uh, but, so I can always use more and so if you guys are out there and you happen to be a musician like myself and you also you know have some recordings it can be demo recordings doesn't have to be like perfectly recorded or anything don't worry about that don't worry about the sound quality I will put it on the show if you have any original music that you've done yourself I, I, I I'm thoroughly enjoying it and I would definitely like to put it on the end of these solo shows so for this week uh we're going back to uh Mr. Karsten Doc Deutschman And uh, he uh, sent us a, uh, I believe it was the first song we played from him a couple, probably a couple months ago, was a song called Monstrous Walk, uh, which was like a, uh, like a kind of a a theme song for a short animation movie. But he also have his next song here I'm going to insert on this uh, particular week, and it's called Ska, number one. And he says it was just me playing around with my first sequencer, a little Yamaha QY100, if I remember correctly. So that's all me, and it does not even contain any guitar tracks. And he put a little sad face because <laughs> uh, I think uh, Karsten does a lot of guitar work as well. But uh, so we're gonna, after I get out the final socials here on this show, I'm gonna insert his song before the ending of this podcast. So uh, look forward to Karsten Doc Deutschmann, uh with his his uh, selection ska number one. Uh, Okay, um, folks, uh, that's the end of this episode and I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, next, uh, Monday we will, uh, be recording with, uh, hopefully recording with Mr. Timothy Dissler from the analog talk podcast. And I'm sure I will put a Facebook group post, uh, to ask Timothy any questions you want to ask him. Uh, so be watching out for that. Uh, and so, yeah, have a great week. Everybody stay safe. Um, all that stuff, be healthy. Uh, practice whatever you need to do to, uh, during this weird time and try to be creative. That's that's the thing. I think creativity will get, it keeps us all a little more sane during this uh, really weird time. Okay, uh, you can see my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. Uh, you can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. Uh, you can join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. And we also have an Instagram account under the account name Negative Positives, uh, mostly ran by a friend of the show, Mr. Bryce Randall. If you submit photos to, to Instagram, think about using the hashtag Negative Positives. Or if you uh, are participating in the 80s cheesy filter challenge <laughs> uh, and you take your two favorite photos uh, of your experiments with that and use the hashtag, it is NPP80s filter challenge, NPP80s filter challenge uh for when you get your two favorite shots of that for that competition that runs through the end of june okay um oh yeah and you can support this program uh which again all proceeds will now go to some sort of covid19 or coronavirus uh, relief uh for the foreseeable future that is www.ko-fi.com slash negative positives all right uh everyone uh, again, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Everybody, stay positive and shoot some cool film photos.
2: It's a beautiful thing. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Yeah.
0: Butterman Man Cave Productions.